Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Ottawa is is a very sleepy town in normal times, like very sleepy. It has a reputation for, you know, it's a very small downtown core. It's very, obviously very much a government town. Many people don't live in the downtown core. They live in, in suburbs. It's very spread out. So, you know, people joke that, you know, 5 p.m., on, on a weekday, it's completely dead silent. Like, you don't see anyone. There's tumbleweeds. It's very, very quiet. Weekends, it's completely empty. Everyone is sort of out in their, their suburban homes or their outer area homes. So this is, this is pretty intense for Ottawa. The, the noise, you know, I think one person uh, compared it to, you know, for locals who do live in the area, there are actually some, uh, to having, a, you know, a lawnmower going in their living room. Like, it's that loud. Um, very high decibel levels uh, and and just very disruptive. I personally don't live in, right in the core, so uh, I think if you do live there, I think it's been really difficult. You know, the police chief said on on Monday, he said that many of his officers actually live in that area, and he said, you know, he's been crushed by the stories because he hears about, you know, um, families not being able to sleep for over a week, and, and we've also heard other reports about that, about how difficult it's been to be down there, so... I think people do feel that they're under siege. Absolutely. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Today, Politico reporter Andy Blatchford on how the trucker protests that have occupied downtown Ottawa since the end of January have become the latest chapter in the continuing battle over COVID mandates and rules. Right now, there's a, you know, a convoy of truckers, a, a large protest that went from demonstrations that came to the, the capital city and, and later became what officials call uh, an occupation. Basically, downtown Ottawa right now uh, around Parliament is, is paralyzed. You know, the streets are, are blocked with big rigs, pickup trucks, and constantly, almost night and day, blasting their horns. And, you know, in, in the evenings, and especially on weekends, there's been, been parties in the street. But basically, right now, the city is, is impossible uh, in the core. But people in Ottawa might stop hearing so many car horns. Because after I spoke to Andy, a judge granted a 10-day injunction to prevent horn blasts in downtown Ottawa. But if you haven't been following this situation, let's go back to the beginning, when the protests started. They started as a, a bit of a, I guess what people describe as a grassroots movement. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his government brought in some some rules. Uh, they started January 15th, and they basically required all truckers uh, crossing the border into Canada from the United States to be fully vaccinated against uh, COVID-19. And, and the U.S. actually introduced uh, its own rule going the other way uh, about a week later. Mm. You know, there was a lot of opposition to those rules, even though 90% of truckers in Canada are actually fully vaccinated. But it's still you know, really uh, was a concern for a lot of people, whether it was about, you know, vaccinations themselves or people just being tired of, of having so many COVID restrictions. It, you know, it, it created a spark. So this movement began and convoys of truckers and, and their supporters started driving across the country, uh, heading to Ottawa to push back and show their opposition to this policy. When we say convoys of truckers, that means like huge trucks like blocking the street. Like, paint me a picture, I guess. I mean, there are huge trucks, like full sort of big rigs with the trailers, uh, many without trailers. But, you know, if you look in downtown Ottawa, it's, you know, many, many blocks going in different directions that kind of spreads out from Parliament Hill, going down all the main streets. 
you can't really drive down them. You can just, it's like become one big, large pedestrian way. And there's lots of people um, and, and lots of noise, lots of banners that say, you know, freedom over fear, you know, ba banners calling, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau names, uh, things like that. So just like heavy opposition, a lot of noise. Yeah, that's that's what it's become. Now, it got to this point because it did sort of evolve out of this grassroots pushback against, you know, COVID restrictions and the vaccine mandates to become against sort of everything, all the COVID restrictions that Canada has, has seen. And then, of course, as I mentioned, against Trudeau himself and his policies, it's become very more personal, very much more political and, and sort of a broader pushback and, and, you know, calls for freedom, as they call themselves, the, the Freedom Convoy. But even more specifically, like, what do the truckers want? Like, what's the goal here for these restrictions to be fully rolled back or? Yeah, exactly. You know, they've said some of the protesters have said that they're not going anywhere until all the restrictions are lifted. Uh, there's mm -hmm. even a more extreme element to it uh, as well. And I, I didn't get to that, but that's the most important part. But some of the organizers of this uh, this convoy also put out a, a memorandum of understanding that basically called for the dissolution of the Trudeau government and, and for, for different people to sort of take over, take over a caretaker of the government of Canada. So it, it talked wow. about negotiations with, you know, the head of the Senate and, and the governor general, who's the Queen's representative in Canada, uh, and, and basically to, you know, as some put it, to overthrow the government and, and to take over. That goal is, is very unlikely. I think that, I, I mean, I think it's impossible. But yeah, I, I think more the push is for, <laughs> is for the the mandates and, and for the COVID restrictions to end. But, but you know, this other goal just shows like how far the discontent and, and pushback has gone and, and it gets to very extreme levels. And, and that's what's created a lot of concern among officials about how serious are some of the people who are part of this movement uh, and, and how, you know, potentially dangerous are they to democracy or, or to individuals themselves uh, and on the streets. Yeah. And in terms of how serious they are, like, how much do we know about the makeup of the protest? Because the past couple of days, there have been like Confederate flags and swastikas spotted, right? That's right. Those those tend to be smaller uh, elements, but but they're definitely there. We've seen, as you mentioned, flags with, with racist symbols on them, and that's raised a lot of concerns. People have traced back the linkages of some of the organizers and who they're connected to, and there's been a lot of connections to, to sort of far-right groups and other organizations like that who, who are actually quite involved in the organization of this this movement. So it's it's kind of murky, and it's hard to know because I think there's there are regular people who are upset, and then it, it goes across a wide spectrum to more kind of menacing elements and people that want to, you know, promote these ideas and promote, for example, perhaps taking over the, the government itself. And other than the convoys creating a situation in which nobody can drive downtown and it's loud and things like that, what's the real fear here? Well, I think there's a couple levels. So I think what we hear time and time again is, yes, there haven't been sort of outwardly physical violent incidents so much, but there's been a lot of reports of harassment. There's been, I think, over 200 or, or perhaps even more than that, uh, like way more than that, reports to police of hate crimes, uh, potential mm. hate crimes and other allegations. There has been, you know, as I mentioned, the, the noise of the truckers themselves and the disruption. There's a lot of residents who live in the area. People, you know, live there with their children and they haven't slept for over a week. There's been small businesses closed. People have been unable to work. So it's had a, a, a very big impact on 
locals. But then taking it to another level, I think a lot of the concern is how will you remove these trucks? How will you remove, you know, protesters who have really dug in and don't want to leave? What will that take? Police have been pretty hesitant so far. They've only just started becoming more aggressive in removing protesters. But does that have the potential of, of growing into something more violent? You know, will there be protesters that refuse to go? Will there be violence? I think that's always been one of the unknowns because of some of the groups who seem to be a part of this, this movement. One thing, as I was doing some reading about this, I learned that GoFundMe has become kind of embroiled in this controversy. Where does GoFundMe fit into this? Okay, well, that's actually a really interesting uh, element. And this is where, you know, what's happening in Ottawa ties to outside Canada's borders and including the United States. So the organizers of the convoy set up a GoFundMe page and they quickly, within like days, accumulated $10 million Canadian. It's a lot of money. Of donations from from tens of thousands of, of supporters. And I guess the big concern is Ottawa police quickly came out and said that a significant amount of of this money had actually come from outside Canada and a significant amount from the United States, um, which caused a lot of concerns about foreign interference and so on. And in the meantime, GoFundMe, because of the concerns about the protests themselves, they they shut down the page and said they would return the donations to to the donors. So the the police here say that the funding was a huge benefit to the to the protesters, and that actually made their job much much harder to shut it down. And the protest movement is still getting funding from other platforms. But what's interesting about the GoFundMe uh, issue is that what it told us about the, the sort of involvement of, of U.S. donors, and it's also created some concerns in the U.S. We've heard from attorney generals in Texas, you know, and in Florida, and they've been looking into what GoFundMe did to shut down this page for the, the truckers in Canada. They were concerned about how many of their own citizens in their, those states, uh, for example, had given to this movement. And it's created, you know, uh, sort of these investigations in different parts of the U.S. where there obviously seems to be a lot of sympathy for what's happening in in Canada. So it, it's kind of sh- shown how much power there was behind the, the demonstrations up here in terms of finances. And it also shows where that's coming from and, and who is interested in what's happening uh, in Canada. What are some possible outcomes here? So as the police chief put it on Monday... Uh, officers had become, and law, law enforcement here had become more aggressive on on Sunday, actually, in, in starting to shut down parts of the protest. They, he said they've, they've towed some trucks, uh, they made some arrests, they gave out, you know, hundreds of tickets, finally. They hadn't been doing that earlier in the convoy protest because of lack of resources. They started cutting off supplies, they started, you know, confiscating, you know, gasoline to supply the trucks and, and food and, and so on. So it seems that, you know, things are are starting to lose a little bit of their momentum. Uh, You know, the actual gatherings on the weekend were smaller this weekend than the previous weekend. So Mm. it could be something that just goes away quietly and gradually over the coming days and and, and relatively peacefully. But there might also be a hardcore element uh, of the people behind this movement that have dug in and may not want to go so quietly. So what's going to be interesting to watch is whether this kind of slow uh, release of, of the air out of the balloon of, of the protest continues or if if it gets to a point where there's very sort of stiff pushback to what police want to do. And as a reporter who's been covering this, like, what are you looking out for? You know, how officials go about trying to sort of diffuse the situation and, and to bring an end to it without any kind of any kind of violence or confrontation. Uh, that would be one aspect to, to see their sort of strategy about how they do this and how well it works. The other will be the reaction of the the protest movement and see whether they decide that 
you know, they're just going to go and, and, and listen to police and, and, and get out of here uh, or not. The other thing is actually a very practical element. And some people have said, like, how on earth do you get, you know, dozens and dozens or even hundreds of these trucks out of the, out of the city streets? I mean, if people don't want to move them, they're huge. And where do you get all the massive tow trucks to, to drag all these uh, big rigs out of the city? So even just on a practical level, it'll be interesting to see how they, they sort of pull that off. Andy Blatchford, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Also today, the National Archives and Records Administration confirmed on Monday that it had recovered more than a dozen boxes of records from former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida last month, which had originally not been transferred when Trump's term expired, as required under the Presidential Records Act. And the Supreme Court on Monday reinstated a voting map for congressional elections in Alabama that a lower court had said violated the Voting Rights Act by diluting the power of Black voters to elect their chosen candidates. The vote was 5-4, to with Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. joining the court's three liberal members in dissent. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.